I got that, I got that. Yeah, heard them call me conscious. I ain't think about it honestly. My thoughts too deep to process. So I do this all unconsciously. Finally feeling God blessed. Got a woke off dropping prophecy. Don't take it out of context. Just before, I swear they always sleep. Now they catch the message, yeah. Bet that every song is deep. It's levels in each concept. But I can't just never monotheme. I'm trying to lead this flock for the cause. Not the following people upon the partner. And I wonder why they drawn to me. Once upon a time, I thought to follow up a dream draw Life about these lines, nothing twice about these schemes And like thrice about these insights What I write is like a blueprint for you to comprehend life That's life, I reckon make you shine Never dim it down, even if you live surrounded Where everybody vision clouded Remember staying down ain't quite as good as getting out It's said remember staying down ain't quite as Ay, ay, ay you believe, yeah. Many doubted it was hard for them to think somehow I'm finally getting out of that set. Usually, yeah, a vision clouded, but as you can see by now, we finally getting out of writing truth, spreading love. Tell me how you feel about it. Got this music from above, that's how I know I'm getting out of writing truth, spreading love. Tell me how you feel about it. Got this music from above, that's how I, ay, ay. All right, we got Dolly Gagne, the man, the myth, the legend from the Wrecking Crew, aka French for Win. Uh, so, man, you're one of the more prominent members, I would say, of the Wrecking Crew. Uh, that's how I got to know you. Um, one thing that I like to do to kind of start these types of conversations is just ask you, like, a little bit about yourself. Uh, who is Dennis G? Who is Dolly Gagne? You know, all I know is a Canadian that loves recognized like I do, uh, loves good music, clearly, like I do, uh, and fucks with cars big time, like my brother and, and best friend, Timmy B. One other thing. Oh, you love your family. You got your strong family, family values and strong family man. But outside of that, man, I don't, I don't know a lot about your story. I want to just hear your story from, from your own point of view and how you came to see the world the way you do and, and all of that good stuff. Before we get into the other stuff that we uh, told you we would talk about. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> yeah. the name's Denny, last name Gagne. I was born in Montreal, raised in Vancouver area. Uh, pushing the late 40s, you know, on the other side of 45. <laughs> Experience. Uh, sure, sure. Uh, I had kids super late, you know, I think 40 was my first kid and uh, my second kid came, you know, almost three years later. So yeah, um, my story, shit, man, this, it's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, single mom for the longest time, like grew up with my single mom and uh, it's just I think at 13, we had a blowout and I was like, fuck it. And I moved in with my dad Not lasted about four years and I couldn't handle that shit no more. And I fucked off. But, um, in between my youth years and then there was a lot of shit that I saw. So yeah, seen a lot. Um, but yeah, we met at the right during our part of the wrecking crew. Um, yeah, I, I, it's funny even joining the Wrecking Crew. 
that came late for me. I, I guess a bunch of people were on that super early and I missed the first like year and a half. So kind of disappointed. It would have been cool to start that right from, from jump, but um, that just wasn't in touch on the socials really. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. What else do you want to hear? Well, how did, uh, were you raised religious? Were, how, how, I guess, how would you say you came to view the world from the time of being raised by a single mom to moving in with your dad to where you are now? Yeah, we weren't religious per se. I, I, you know, I think everybody holds that, like there's somebody watching you and act accordingly kind of thing. And I, it feels like that's just to keep people in line in, in some respects. But yeah, no, we didn't go to church. I mean, I've been to church when I was younger. Uh, like my mom was very troubled. And as you know, like with people that separate, like my parents were never married, but to be honest, I don't remember my parents being together. I think they split up when I was three years old, just after. And I mean, they were 20 years old when they had me, so super young. Um, and neither of them were religious, uh, other than the fact that I was baptized, which is kind of strange, right? <laughs> but I think um, my dad's side of the family's, I think, more religious. But I didn't actually get to meet them until uh, like 2018. So they've been in Montreal, like on the other side of Canada for my whole life. And, you know, I, like I said, I only just met them in 2018. So uh, as far as religion is concerned, uh, yeah, not a whole lot. So I guess, you know, those young formative years, I was never really exposed to, to those kind of like to any of that really, it was just kind of free for all. You know, my religion, I guess you could say would be hockey cars that's pretty much kind of where like my life revolved around for the most part now you know having my own kids and stuff but it's kind of like it's just hockey and cars you know and my kids <laughs> but I did with my mom going through all the shit that she would go through back then when they would do like any kind of custody like, basically what happens my mom would need help from my dad he would say he wanted custody and they would fight. So we'll go to court and she would win. It's kind of just how, like if she's not delinquent or he can't prove she, he ain't getting a kid, you know? And that's kind of just what happened. They kind of went battled a couple of times and, you know, he wasn't going to win that battle if she was fighting. So anytime she needed help, he kind of just said, you know, piss off. It's, it's all or nothing. And I mean, he was around, don't, I would go there in the summers and stuff, but for the most part, like for the first 13 years of my life, I lived with my mom. I had a brother who's got a different dad. We, we lost it. I don't know where we lost, left off. You said you had a brother that had a different dad. All right. So he's eight years younger than me. So, you know, my mom was the first, you know, say eight years. Um, it was just me and her and we bounced around that. She, uh, when she would ask for help, she would phone, you know, social services, what we have over here. I'm not sure what it's called in the States uh, or welfare. Cause I mean, my mom's basically been on welfare for her entire life. 
now she's uh, retired, like not retired, but 65, you transition over to old age pension. So yeah, like she'd call and, uh, you know, when they, she said she needed help, they'd just come and take me. And then I would go into foster care. So I bounced around a lot of foster homes when I was probably like between six and 12 years old. Um, uh, some longer than others. Uh, some were like, you, they'd take you and you end up at a, like a temporary one. I remember going to one. It was pretty cool. The guy had like all the, all the WWF, uh, the heck they call that thing. Uh, the year end thing they do. do you, you familiar with WWF? It's like a SmackDown or something. WrestleMania. WrestleMania. So this guy was Mania. a WrestleMania fanatic and he had all the VHS because like <laughs> DVDs didn't exist when I was a kid. So he had like VHS all up the yin yang. And so that one was cool. I remember that just because of that. I was there for like maybe a, a night till they could, to, you know, like sometimes she'd call and they would just come. And, it, you know, I remember she called one time and I saw the cop come to take me and I jumped the fence and started running, but like I was tiny and this guy just hoofed me out, you know, grabbed me and away we went. Right. I didn't like going, but and I'd never understood. Right. I, I, I mean, years later, I would understand when I get older, but as a child, you don't understand you're, you're, you know, like some guy, just some police officer comes and grabs you and then takes you to a, another house and you're there for a while and you don't really know what's going on so there was a couple i went to one was a a black family which is not like a super common thing in uh western canada a lot of the times like our our black population's really really small like it's grown uh probably in the last 20 years but back when i was a kid it wasn't a common thing to see mostly Asians, um, and, and, uh, I guess, uh, Indo, Indo-Canadians, we call them. And of course the native, Amer- uh, native Canadians. So I went to a one family, it was, it was all black and they went to like a gospel church and I actually kind of dug that they would sing and that was really cool, but like, I could give a fuck about god and all that bullshit so like it was lost on me i think a few other places took me to maybe go to sunday school and it was like a one-time thing and i was like i'm not going because it was ultimately my choice they couldn't force me to go so i don't know i i I don't know if maybe it would have been different under different circumstances but having seen the world through a lot of those different scenarios where i wasn't a bunch of families and not not like long, long term. I think the longest time I was in the foster home was grade six. So I was like 11, 12. And I was there for probably the better part of that school year. And uh, yeah, that was an interesting, <laughs> that was an interesting house. Uh, they had they, were, they had one of their own kids there. Uh, he was a little bit of a strange kid. Like, I guess he just saw so many kids roll through. Um, they had a couple of Down syndrome kids. And then, you know, me and my brother, I think we're there. I have a hard time remembering uh, whether he would be there. He was an infant at the time for a lot of these things. Uh, and then my mom kind of mostly got her crap together and stopped calling. Uh, I think mainly because she knew 
that they would just take the kids. They weren't really going to help her. Like she would call for help. And then their first response was, okay, she can't have the kids. They take the kids right away. It's just like, she just needed somebody to kind of come and help as far as like watching, not needing like six month break. But I think one of them, they realized she was super strung up and she had to go through rehab before she could get us back. Um, I don't know, just seeing our world through those kind of shades early on, you, you kind of, I don't know, you just fend for yourself. You go to a foster home and it's kind of like you're starting over again. You're not really part of the family, but you kind of just, to me, it was These, normal because, because I didn't know any better, right? Do you maintain any of those relationships from the foster homes that you were in? No, not one. I mean, grade six, like, I can't name. I mean, Facebook's kind of funny because there's people that I went to elementary school with, like, maybe grade six, grade seven that I, ha I have as Facebook friends, but we don't, like, regularly converse. It's kind of funny that you just have them, like, there and you just kind of like, oh, yeah, what's that person up to? And you just kind of look and then you move on, like, didn't really part of your life, right? So, yeah, none of them really do. Like, the last foster home I went was in was that one with the two Down syndrome kids. And the uh, we were there the longest. That was the longest one we were in. And, I mean, I was that was the oldest that I was, too. So that's the one I have the best, like, the more uh, probably accurate memories of. And, uh, I mean, there was never any abuse. So, I mean, I guess that was the lucky part for us. Um, but there was some pretty crazy shit there. And the run crazy story that I have from two crazy stories I have from the foster. Uh, the one's not really crazy. The one they force you to have a bath. A lot of these places, they don't know where the kids come from. Right. So one didn't have a slip mat and I smashed my fucking tooth out. Right. Yeah. I cracked this, this tooth in half. So like I sat, I slept in, that night with like a nerve exposed so that was really fun and my mom I guess took me out of there the next day so I, sometimes I don't understand how these things work like the ministry takes you you go into a foster home and then your mom comes and gets you the next day doesn't make sense to me but that's what happened um another one where uh it was like an old old house and they had a mentally retarded kid I don't know how to how else to explain it but it was at the time like that's just that's the word but this kid would dress like in a long she was a girl she had like this long white dress it was like the girl from the ring man she'd come around the corner and be just moaning i scared the shit out of me like that was like some spooky ass shit and i was just that that one always stuck with me and then the, the last one we went to uh, they had two Down syndrome kids, a male and a female, and the son of the family we stayed with would, he was a little perverted, I would say. He would get them, at the time, I didn't really fully understand what was going on, but they were, the two Down syndrome kids were really 13 or 14-ish, and I, I think he was probably in that same age group, and he would basically just tell the, them to, to go fuck, and then they, he'd be, this girl, this, the boy would be slamming the girl i'm just like what the fuck is this right Damn. i tell this i tell this story and people are just shocked i'm like yeah i mean 
uh, I don't know what to say, but like that's that's some crazy shit that I've seen in foster care. Um, mm. Yeah, that that was probably the craziest one. I mean, I had some good times there. Like we we had Halloween there, and I mean, he he had fireworks and shit, so that was cool. So like he had some redeeming qualities, but like that one, I always kind of think back and wonder where that kid ended up. Like to me, I would think he probably ended up on the wrong side of the tracks a few times <laughs> but yeah having having seen a lot of that stuff you know when you you, you grow up in that kind of stuff I, I think you just don't you don't have time to believe in anything you're just surviving you know so that actually leads right into my the question that I wanted to ask and the reason main reason why I wanted to have you on is like as someone that calls yourself an atheist, you seem to treat everybody with respect. You're like based, I would say based in love. You know, you'll keep people in check when they need to be kept in check, but you're not an asshole, like needlessly anyway. Um, but for somebody that calls himself an atheist, what I guess powers you or motivates you to be a nice person? You know, I've always been curious about like, what makes an you know what keeps an atheist in check to want to even be nice to other people if there's nothing if there's no um power power. Know, reprimand for your shitty actions well there always is reprimand for your shitty actions it doesn't well, come that, from the man above what does that come from the man above well you're shitty to the wrong person you're getting your ass beat but what if that's you're shitty? But but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, of course, if you're shitty to the you're wrong person, of, but you're top of the food chain and you're shitty to everybody and nobody can do fuck all. That's one thing. But for most people, like myself, like you just regular average people, you go around being an asshole to to enough people, it's gonna you're gonna get you're gonna get what's coming, right? You know, I grew up in a time where like people settled things physically. You know, as a child, like I got. I wouldn't say I got bullied and, but, you know, like I got a reputation that surrounded me. I, I don't know where it came from, but anytime there was a, an issue, people would come at me with more than a few people. They would always surround, they would try and get two or three people. I'm not a fighter. Like I will do whatever it takes to not fight. I'm smart in a way where like if i know i'm in a situation where uh the odds are not in my favor i don't have that ego where i'm gonna sit there and fucking fight it out i'm gonna flight it out i'm out <laughs> you know like i've i've been surrounded by a group of people a few times where it's just seems like why <laughs> like you come at me one-on-one -on -one, i'll protect myself but when there's four to one you know, protecting myself is getting the heck out, right? So, I mean, yeah. what's, what, as an atheist, I mean, I, I don't even, I, I guess that's what, what you label somebody that doesn't believe in God. I, I don't walk around and say I'm atheist. Like, I just, well, that, I guess, God. okay, but say, I guess that's, I guess that's what I want to get at. How do you define God then? Because the way that I define God, like nobody could really be an atheist, but the way that popular culture defines God, 
I would probably be defined as an atheist, right? Like the George Carlin skit where he's talking about like all knowing, all powerful, all seen, just can't seem to handle money. Just can't, just can't figure that one out for some reason, you know? It's like the funny thing about that skit though is he's not really talking about God. That's the church. Yeah, well, true. God, true. God, God doesn't exist. God's not asking you for money, right? The church is. The church is like this is the problem, right? Well, sure. yeah, I, I agree with I agree with what you're saying 100. percent I guess my disagreement, as far as like semant semantically or linguistically, would be like I think that they have deceived, like ultimately deceived, what the true reality. Because I think reality and God are the same thing. So the fact that you exist is proof of God to me. The the fact that existence exists is proof of God to me but that's a matter of definition because if you define God the way that like I said popular culture or a Christian an orthodox Christian anyway would define God then I kind of fall on your side of the tracks of not believing that you know well but what religion like every religion has some figure that they worship right like I, I don't pay attention to any of that shit like as far as I like think all really, of the main ones. Yeah, like, the, like yeah. Uh I don't know what the hell isn't like to me, Catholic, Protestant, all, all that shit. They all go to church. It's the same shit to me, but that's just my ignorance because I'm not gonna waste time on something I'll never believe in, right? Essentially. Um, but like church churches are the biggest scam. Like you gotta donate money it's just like you ever some of the stories you hear about the pastors like living high on the hog and people are donating 30 percent of their fucking income to this like to what i'll i'll say this though they're, they these i feel like for some people that works for them right they like to follow something blindly and think that they're uh you know that whatever. for the masses i i don't really know like this year we went we had our uh, my daughters they go to school right so the church the local church brought like i don't know enough presents for the entire school right for christmas and uh they did some like sing-alongs and stuff but you know for the most part they're good people you know for the most so, part it, the yeah, the right. members the of the church not necessarily the yeah. upper for the, for the yeah well it, it you know it's like saying all cops are bad because one cop kneels on a, a guy's neck right and then he dies you know that you can't label all cops bad because of one cop and so they do good work that they, they definitely do good work right and but they're always it seems like they're recruiting right like the whole idea of giving kids christmas gifts at a young age like that is to keep the church going right like oh hey i got a present from this church like this is cool like and then so then they're like oh what's that about and then if when you're young like that you're more impressionable it's kind of how i guess i guess that like I, that's the cynic in me right <laughs> you know what i mean like the analyzing i'm analyzing why would they do these things not just for the greater good right but sometimes there is not an ulterior motive but you can't run the thing dry then the church 
closes up shop and that's it. So they got to keep people, hey, what's that? Like, and some kids will gravitate towards it. And, and you know, and others don't. But I mean, if you look at, for me, I think. I feel like what attracts people at this point, though, is just the sense of community. I don't know too many people, even in the church, that really buy into the mythology or the philosophy. I mean, they might buy into some of the values that are being taught, but I don't think they really believe that some guy, you know, followed the star to three wise men. (laughs) It's a silly story, you know. I don't think even most of the people that go to church believe that. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I had a really good friend for years and years and years. And he was never, he never struck me as religious at all. And uh, it was just life. We have kids and we, we don't actually live that far apart, but we were like inseparable friendship um, for like a decade. And then, you know, he had kids and then, you know, he was we were just we ended up just drifting not drifting apart as but just didn't spend as much time as we used to together so maybe i just missed it all but like this he had some shit happen in his family and his sister got really sick and uh a lot of shit happened and then you know fast forward a couple years and he's spouting off like well you know god has his plan i was like what the fuck like where did this come from? It was the last person I thought would ever fucking go down that path. And I was, I was so shocked. And he was saying, well, you know, like she was, she got sick for a reason to test her faith. And I was like, she got sick because she got fucking sick. Like <laughs> testing your faith, like faith in what? The God had nothing to do with that. Like that's, that's my issue with what, like you can pray all you want. Like, how's that going to change anything i guess these are the things like now now that we're talking about it and you you say it out loud if you're positively affirming yourself every day you can inflict physiological change right changing consciousness right yeah and then physically that changes you if you're constantly negative and you're you're always down and you're always your doing thought that. patterns and your belief patterns and the, the things but, that you actually operate on the things you actually act on not the things that you just simply profess yeah well but you say it enough times like if i if i woke up every morning and said i was a piece of shit you probably start believing it and then become a piece of shit right and i know that you know like some people will be they just they're negative and it affects their health right so i guess in a way like praying to god you're trying to you know maintain a positive thought process and i guess you can that can help but yeah i mean i think consciousness is energy you know like primordial energy consciousness i think these are words that scientists use to replace god essentially well because what's what is god god's a man-made construct really what isn't a man-made construct right true you tell me like you said okay so the story of christ that could be true as far as being nailed to the cross but coming back to life fuck out of here like that's Right. I think that's a metaphor. I think that's a metaphor for um, 
for all people. Person, this is my personal take on that. Is I think that is a metaphor for individual consciousness awakening to itself, resurrecting itself, and realizing that we are God. You know, that's kind of the Jesus story, the Son of God. But I think it's also more of a metaphor for every individual's consciousness to recognize that all of us are God. All of us have Christ within. You know, there's nothing. Ex there's no external savior that we need to submit ourselves to um, yeah i agree but anyways I agree. that's just my take uh that yeah i'd be on board with that like there's there's no one supreme being that's gonna you know save everybody it hasn't happened yet <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, i think we have to save each other and say, save yeah. ourselves yeah, at different times. You know, sometimes you have to save yourself. Sometimes you need other people to save you. Sometimes you need to save somebody else. But, you know, that's just, that's just life, you know? Uh, yeah. But I guess back to your, like, the original question was, you know, being an atheist, if you so... Well, that's how it. you described yourself, which is why... I, but I found find that curious because you're a family person. Like, what drives you to care and love about your family if you don't have something driving that. Now, like what drives that? It's not necessarily God, right, for you, but something's driving that. A love for humanity, a love for your community. I mean, it sounds like you didn't have the, the greatest, you know, family life in, during your upbringing. So does, is that what drives you to give your kids a better one or... I mean, what's underlying all of that well see i don't look at i don't look back at my childhood as a, a negative thing uh i don't i don't look back on it as something hold on then. cheers oh yeah she brought me a beer oh, oh yeah cheers <laughs> This is the wife. This is the. Here. Yeah, I'm all over here. Oh, let me put the light on. That's, that's, How are you? That's, that's my God right there. <laughs> that's what I was just about to say. That's what I was just about to say for real. Um, but as far as like, like I don't look back on my childhood as a negative thing. I, I know I just thought that was normal. You know, I thought everybody had that childhood. We I I grew up in a like we had a an area of low income housing and we called it the courts and so like everybody was kind of in the same boat right so you just kind of got I don't know you just it just seemed normal I I will say this as fucked up as my mom was because like she was a drug addict uh, I guess uh, an alcoholic. Actually, she was more of an alcoholic and she probably dabbled in drugs. I, I never really seen her take drugs, but I did see her basically drink herself almost to death every day. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Mostly just beer. She would probably crush six beers before lunch, you know, and Damn. she she did this for, <laughs> I mean, 30 plus years. And like, the whole blow up we had was I built a bike for her. She tried to ride it drunk and fell over. I thought it was funny, right? I laughed. And then she accused me of sabotaging it and got physical. And then she would always use 
you can go live with your dad as like that thing to get me back in line. And uh, the final straw was just like, fine. And I packed my shit and I, and he picked me up. That was it. And then I go from, you know, an alcoholic to, you know, almost basically a junkie. Like this guy's freebasing on a fucking spoon in over the stove. It's like, and all of his friends are coming over and it's like, so I did that for four years. And then I was like, I'm at 17. I was out of there. I'm like, I can't deal with this shit anymore. Oh yeah. See. And, but through all of that, both my parents always, I always felt like they tried their best and they were never hateful. You know what I mean? They weren't, they weren't necessarily, what's the word? Like they, I didn't grow up without love basically. Um, There's some, there's some real turning points in my life where I never played hockey as a kid. I always played like ball hockey, rode my bike a lot. Like I, I did all the things that kids would do, throw rocks at buses, driving by, you know, that kind of throw rocks over the house and hit, you know, you just have rock fights with kids and shit and just the normal kid shit. Right. But I, I didn't feel like what I, what I was going through was abnormal. I mean, I, I didn't realize that until much later, you know, probably later in my teenage years where I started to realize, well, what is normal? You know, my girlfriend at times, parents were getting a divorce and it, you know, it hit them super hard. And I I thought, well, it's like, okay, they're not happy together. So why should they stay together? Like, but it was just, nothing it's something they hadn't experienced but like i hadn't experienced uh you know the mother and father being together right like my mom was always she had a couple of boyfriends and my dad was going through girls all the time you know in when i moved in my dad though he didn't really have a girlfriend his girlfriend was you know the pipe or whatever it was you know he did his best he did his best for a while but like i didn't grow up without love which I guess in a way, I think, you know, kids that were in what you would call stable, like non-broken homes, maybe were getting abused mentally and, and whatnot. And so their upbringing might've been worse than mine. Like I, I look back on mine, I'm like, I didn't go through that much shit really. In my eyes, it's just whatever it's, it's why I am what I am, but I don't look right. back at the negative. Right. So, like you said, you just saw it as normal when you were growing up, but then there was a moment either in your teenage or late teenage years where you saw that the, that other people were living in different ways. Both that experience of the way, the way that you grew up and the way the experiences that shaped you prior to the experience of realizing other people, some people had it better, some people had it worse, even better and worse is obviously relative because if your mindset is a certain mindset, then it's all just an experience that you can grow and learn from. Um, but I say all of that to say like, what, I guess, what experience shaped how you, the, like the the foundation to how you see the world today. And like you said, she's your God or fa- I would say more like family is your God. What, experiences led you to have that conviction i don't know 
I, I don't know. I've always, I've always uh, looked, taken the bright side of things, you know, like my brother and I, we grew up with the same mom, right? Uh, his dad wasn't around a lot. My, I didn't touch alcohol until I was 26. I got drunk on my 26th birthday. Then I didn't touch it again until I was 31 or 32. And even then it was, it's even now it's not really a regular occurrence. Uh, me being, me being drunk is pretty rare. It's not, not something to see. And, um, my brother did the opposite. He, he went the other way. He bottled all of his feelings. I never had a problem explaining my, like sharing my feelings, but as a younger child, or I would say like my temper was really bad when I was young. Like I would just fucking lash out. Something didn't go my way. It was like, I, I sink softballs into the gym wall, you know, and then the teacher told me not to, and I go tell him to fuck himself. You know, and then he would rate my temper tantrums. You just shit like that, you know, like, so we would, uh, I, like, I, so I guess me expressing my feelings was never an issue. He, he just bottled them up. So we came from similar environment, but totally two different coping mechanisms. <clears throat> Shit, I lost my train of thought. No, that actually begs the question that I really want to ask is like, what makes, you know, I, I would say people have souls, you might disagree, but like, what is it in your opinion that makes your choices, your coping mechanisms different than his, given that you grew up in a similar environment? The reason I ask that is because um, there's, have you ever heard of epigenetics? Well, to break it down, so I, I won't go into full detail, but basically a good analogy is like when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly, some of the cells commit what's called apoptosis, which is basically suicide because they're, the, the change that they're undergoing is, uh, so, uh, transformative that they can't handle the stress and they just kill themselves. And other cells that were literally brought up in the same environment, they were literally a part of the same caterpillar, uh, they are able to make the transformation and uh, scientists call them imaginal cells and they metamorphosize into butter butterfly cells. Um, so when you were talking about you and your brother being raised in a similar situation, but your coping mechanism was talking about your emotions, you know, being real, healthy coping mechanisms versus unhealthy coping mechanisms. What is it that you, in your opinion, I think it's just that people have different souls and different, uh, basically character at, at a, at a really truly foundational level that makes them, them. And so you're literally different than your brother just at a literally foundational level that's would be my explanation for why you handled it one way and he handled it another way but do you see that differently um uh, i mean i guess generally you could say that but i think in our situation like we grew up with the same mom we grew up in similar situations two things a couple of things that are different was that my dad was part of my life and his dad wasn't and my mother had a really, like we had a really close family friend that would always 
he seemed to always try to, you know, be with my mother. He was always there for her. He also always enabled her in her drinking. He would always be buying her beer, smokes, whatever. But he was like a grandfather. And I was a lot older, so I had my own dad. I didn't really gravitate towards him as much for those reasons. Uh, at 12 years old, my mom actually did a really solid thing. She got me, a, through the ministry, she got me a big brother. And he was probably one of the first people other than my dad where I truly, I guess, respected. Um, I would... It's funny because he came into my life when I was 12, 11, 11 or 12. Uh, and it was a pretty rough go through those years just with all the, the in and out of being up with my mom and going to foster homes and stuff. <clears throat> and, you know, the temper that I had was just me instead of bottling it, or I guess maybe I was bottling it up and then I, it would explode, right? Like I would just act out and explode. and. Uh, I came to a head a couple of times, uh, one with a teacher. I punched a teacher when I was in grade five or whatever. Um, he would, like I say, I'd have a fit. He'd rate it out of 10. He'd rate it out of 10 in front of the class, thinking it would, I don't know what he was thinking. So like I, like one time in the gym, I sank a couple of balls. We had a lot of So wait, he rated it at 10 after you punched him? No, no, no. He would rate he my temper tantrums out of 10. And so one time we we're in a gym and I sank a ball into the, into the wall. I wasn't the only kid that would do it, but you know, I was doing it and then he's told me to stop. And I was like, fuck you, what are you going to do sort of thing? Right. And I grabbed another ball and sank another one and sank another one. And then he was just like, I don't know, I'd be just screaming or whatever. And he's like, oh, that's like a seven. So I walked up to him and I socked him. He was so tall. I could only get him in the shoulder. <laughs> right and well so i hit this teacher he sends me to the office and the principal asked me what would happen and this i said well i sank uh, i can't remember exactly how much i admitted I i'm not sure but i'm pretty sure i said what like i didn't give a fuck right so i just said yeah i sank some balls he told me to stop I screamed at him he, he said it was like a five or a six out of 10, seven out of 10 for, you know, a rating out of my temper tantrum. So I punched him. Right. And so I, funny enough. So he said, so the principal, he saw, he, he put me outside. He called that teacher into that office. That fucking teacher came out of that office white as a ghost. I think, I think clearly what he was doing wasn't right. right I can understand yeah. I, I can understand why he would do it because I was a little shit, right? Like, and he can't really do anything about it. So, like, he he was older too, so he probably had enough. Like, just that school was mainly kids like me, right? You know, from right. broken homes, just asshole kids. And I mean, I'm not gonna say I was like a super asshole, but like, that's kind of an asshole thing to do. And you know, he he just didn't know how to cope with it, and that was what he did for me yeah, I don't remember him doing that for any other kid so he came out of that and and he had season tickets for the local hockey team the Vancouver Canucks and I was a huge 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 Montreal Canadiens fan so the deal he made with me was if I kept my shit in check he would get me two tickets to a Canucks Canadiens game so I kept my shit in check <laughs> 
That was, and, that was smart. And I went to that game. I took my dad. And um, uh, th- that that year, I think, was also the year my mom, mom got me that big brother. And that guy was instrumental in getting me into organized hockey. You know, I always had uh, an affinity for playing. I would play floor hockey all the time. I was good at it. I like to be a goalie. I, I love Patrick Waugh. That was my guy. So that's more along the lines of why I like the Canadians. I like Waugh. My dad was a Ken Dryden fan. He loved the Canadians, but he fucking hated he hated Waugh. He's like, I suck. Ken Dryden's this and that. And I fucking hated Ken Dryden. I was like, fuck you, dad. You don't know what you're talking about. So like that was a that was a I would say me and my dad battled a lot um growing up after I started playing hockey because <clears throat> once I became a goalie. Um, you know, my dad actually took, I ended up living with my dad. So that big brother that I had for those couple of years, he wouldn't take my shit. If I started getting out of line, he'd fucking pull the car over, stop. He'd be like, that's it. We're not moving until you like figure shit out. Like you don't talk to me that way. You don't do this. This is not the correct behavior. And we would sit there and I would probably, some of the times I'd fucking just cry it out because, like, you know, you're just, there's just so much shit going on as a kid. You eat hormones, everything, right? And uh, he really, I think that coupled with playing hockey, I feel like things come into your life and forge certain decision making, you know um decision decision making traits if you will right habits and tendencies then, right right and you when you've got some stars that you can follow that are good i think uh that that can happen me being the first child is a big difference too i i was 8 years old when my brother was born i named him i took care of him a lot of the times you know, that was my little guy, right? But <clears throat> there, at some point, you know, you, when you're the youngest, he was the baby, he was getting all the attention. You know, the grandpa figure that we had was mostly about him because, you know, me and him didn't connect. So he, he had my brother and, you know, he kind of got it a little bit easier than I did, I would say. But he was also born uh, methadone dependent. So that... That, that's also something that I didn't have to deal with. So, you know, maybe that changed some of his chemical balance and, you know, who knows? I don't know, but I, I can tell you like there were some major turning points in my life and, and uh, you know, one of them involved me fucking physically punching a teacher and something good came out of it. And the other was, you know, getting a, a father figure that wasn't my father. And, uh, you still talk to him? You know, it's funny. We we lost touch over the years. I would say, I don't remember. I think, like, he was very prevalent in my life for about two years. And then when I moved out of my mom's house, it kind of was like, I still did. He still would come around quite a bit. And we would uh, still do things. Um, but, you know, he was doing the, he was always the travel guy for playing hockey for me. And then when, when I ended up moving in with my dad, my dad kind of took that portion over. So we would hang out, but it, I think 
like my memory's foggy as to how long we stayed connected for but eventually we stopped and I didn't talk to him fuck I don't even I can't remember the last time that we hung out on a regular basis it's probably like 16 years old 15 oh. and I fought the other couple I think it was the middle of last year I was like oh fuck I should I think I'd looked him up on Facebook before and didn't find him and then I ended up finding him then and I sent him a link I just you know I was in my feels like one thing with joining this crew and like the wrecking crew uh I've always reflected but I feel like getting to know wreck to me I always like he's a superstar in my but I understand he's not an actual superstar right Right? so for me whenever I would go to concerts I kept the healthy like distance like this this guy's a fucking superstar I'm not gonna bother him with you know my fandom bullshit like I'm just gonna enjoy if the concert and I'm not going to hang out out back and try and meet this guy and know this guy and be his friend because like that's not realistic right and I never thought that was something that would ever happen I met him way back in 2012 hostile takeover tour chill cat like connected with him definitely the most out of all the people I'd met I went there for tech nine I left as a mayday super mayday fan and then you know through his release solo release projects and stuff uh you know really became a fan of his but you know, it wasn't until, uh, you know, the podcast came out for him, like the, the get the fuck out of your podcast. I think I stumbled upon that. Like just, I remember him doing those reels or whatever. I, like I said, I was, I'd be on Facebook, but I never watched the reels. I wouldn't be on the video side of it. I never had Instagram. I never, I had Twitter for one reason only way back. I think for some fucking maybe contest or something you had to have it so I got it and then it went dormant for 10 years or some shit like that and I feel like I just snagged that one little when he would do that get the fuck out of here the stamp that he uses that's from like an an Instagram reel and I think I saw it one time pop up on like this Facebook story and maybe the one time I pressed it or something and I was like oh fuck that's hilarious like because he'd, he'd lead with some stupid story and he'd be like, get the fuck out of here. And I was like, oh, that's hilarious. And then I saw something about the podcast and I got into the podcast. And then I think 10 episodes in, he's like, he's like someone, I think he said something like, oh, fuck, I want to count the fucks, but like we're too deep in. And I was like, oh, shit, that's a great idea. Like, I'll fucking do it. And I went back and it took me like 15 episodes <laughs> to catch up because like episode by episode. Yeah, I'm, you're counting the fucks. Right? Count the fucks. Yeah. And I just, he he's really bad at promoting things like the last little bit he's really been pushing the patreon the wrecking crew and all that stuff and it's working because he's getting way more eyes on it and i feel like he should be like it's a great community but i didn't know about his patreon i didn't even know about his 52 and his 52 weekly run in 2019 like i was off oh damn you know, I, I missed all of that when it happened. Like, I caught up to that in 2020. 
I think I joined in March of 2020. I missed that whole thing. Like, I think I maybe caught a few here and I didn't realize they were all. So you didn't join until COVID really. Yeah. And well, I didn't join in until like maybe the 15th episode of the podcast. When I, I I, I think he actually kind of said something about the Patreon. I was like, what the fuck is Patreon? Like, I didn't even know what the fuck that is. Like, you know, like I, I had no clue. And I just heard him say it. And then I, th- I want to say it was uh, episode 10 or 12 when I he would post on Facebook the episode uh, and people would comment on it. And I just remember I was commenting on some of it. I was commenting on his stuff more and more and more. I was like, as you engage with someone more, their shit comes up in your feed all up. You, you know, the social media bullshit. But... <clears throat> I just said, hey, look, this is how many fucks there's been. And and like he reached out and was like he responded to me. And, and I was just like, fuck, this guy knows who I am all of a sudden. Like that was I couldn't believe it, right? And then so then I called in and request like requested a or a, like an explanation on June, due in June. Cause to be honest, like I'm more into those deep introspective records that Rec does. Like a lot of guys love the bangers, like Mersdale. I, I like Mersday, but I, the songs that I like on Mersday are like low key, the not the like I like tabletops and shit, but I like here. Here's like my favorite song off that track album. And June, Do and June are like some of my favorite songs uh, against my better judgment. I, I, I mean, you could probably understand why if now that you've heard some of my story is like those things really key in on how, how my childhood was, you know, like I saw all that shit. And then just joining the crew getting and then you know you've got this you start really seeing things differently and it got me really reflective like thinking fuck all those years ago i thought this guy was too big a superstar to you even know who i was and then that little spark and then it just made me think about all those things over the years that like you know whatever so i ended up messaging that that big brother and I left him this, you know, saying, hey, you know, I don't know where you are in life, how things I see you're married now. That's great. Because he was married when I was a kid, but went through a divorce. And it was not a good one. <clears throat> and he had a rough time. I do remember that. And um, and I just said, hey, you know, if you don't know, I'm going to tell you, like, you were probably one of the biggest reasons I didn't end up in jail or you know, do some stupid fucking shit. He really turned my life around and I wanted to thank him. And I thanked him. And I didn't hear from him. I didn't hear back. It wasn't for like about a month or two. And then when when I heard back, like his response was touching, you know, he's just like, oh, you know what? He he was very reciprocal. And yeah, so like um he called me in Christmas, which is funny. He, I I kept saying, hey, we need to we we need to link up meet up like catch up on old times and shit like a lot of stuff's changed and um he uh he was kind of like he's playing it cool man i'll give him that like he was cool back then and he's still fucking cool he's just a lot older right <laughs> but he played it cool and he called me from a i didn't know his phone number or not i gave him mine and he never called me for like four months and he called me on christmas and uh i hadn't heard his voice for probably 20 years and he's like, do you know who this is? And I say, yeah. And I said, it. and he's like, I, 
I'm surprised you still remember me. I was like, I'll never forget, man. So he moved to Nova Scotia, which kind of sucks. It's fucking other side of the world from yeah from where I am, right? But uh, closer. Yeah, to me. yeah. So it, it it's pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, like things happen, you know. I I, I just think as far as like this why my brother where he ended up i think maybe a part of him when he started getting older was that following my footsteps you know i think maybe he because i was very involved with his uh he was into bmx and i was always there got him a bike drove him to all of his races and um like we were really really close for many many years and then he kind of went off the deep end with drinking and shit and you know i had my issues with you know girls and stuff <laughs> and uh we still like we're still close but not as close as we used to be i think um it's just one of those things you know once you have kids a lot of the stuff you just for me personally i just focus on my two kids and what I can hear like I don't got time generally to be you know intertwined in other people's lives I got I got my own shit to deal with and you know I, this time is fleeting I'm like my kid's six my oldest is six and it's like it's crazy it's just it's crazy how fast the time goes and and I'm feeling I feel it slip away so like I don't want to I don't want to give that shit up for nothing. Like, can't get it back. That's one thing you can't get back is time. And like, I think maybe that's part of why people, you know, why I try to do good. And then, you know, if you're doing shit, like, it's kind of a waste of time, really. I don't know. This this was a great conversation, man. Because I've been trying to. I mean, aside from talking about God, which I feel like that's deep but it's also not deep in like a philosophical or intellectual thing in in intellectual way like anybody can have that conversation but even this we didn't really get into the god conversation so much it was more like stories which i really i think we all need to take more time to tell each other's story listen to each other's story that's kind of where i think i'm going to head in the direction as far as this podcast in the future is just focusing more on stories because in my opinion stories are kind of like the foundation to our experience in general like we all live in our own story and the beliefs that we have about reality are kind of how we tell our story and and, and live our story so like the way that we interact with each other is a lot of times based in the way that we tell the story about ourselves you know like the story that we're telling in our head is kind of about ourselves is what's guiding our actions not only you know when we go out and into the world but also our interactions with each other and so I see you respecting other people showing love to other people but also saying that you don't believe in God and I don't believe in that God right but I also kind of see myself as a spiritual person but I also see myself relating to you in so many different ways that I just kind of wanted to get your story and kind of just understand better how you've 
how you were shaped, how you how you came to see the world. Um, because I, I like to hear that when I see good people, you know, I got Vinoj on, gotten you on, I had Spacebug on. And uh, anytime that I feel like it's just a, a good person, just on an intuitive level, I'm interested in hearing their story. So thank you for coming on and sharing, man. Cool, man. Thanks for having me. Um, before I let you go, though, whereas there anything as far as just the way, you know, given the very divisive uh, socio-political climate, um, do you have any advice? I hate the word advice because it sounds like condescending, but is there just any ideas, concepts, um, sentiments that you would want to share with anyone with the internet, so to speak? Man, I don't know. Like, the big thing is who gives a fuck what anybody thinks? If you believe in God, that's cool. And if uh, you meet people that don't, don't push it on them. They either do or they don't. You ain't going to convince somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's, I think being inquisitive is okay. Yeah. Being, uh, I don't know, manipulative is a whole different story. Trying to, you know, it's one thing to even try to be persuasive, but if you're, you know, there's a way to do it in a respectful way and there's a way to do it that's manipulative and conniving and all this. Well, the problem with the problem with the whole like God, I the idea of you know like the religious version of God is to me, you know, I had some church of Latter Day Saints kids come through here, and uh, I think the whole block shut the door on them. And like, I'll talk to anybody, but, you know, I don't, I don't really care. They they came and talked to me, and. I said, the first thing I said to him, I was like, you're not going to convince me that there's a God. You won't. So I'm going to nip, nip your attempt in the bud right here. Like, you don't want to waste your time on me if you're trying to convert me. It's not going to happen. And I think they just were like, what's this guy's fucking story? You know, like, straight up, he answered the door. And then, like, I was actually walking out the door, but I gave him, like, a couple minutes. And so, like, he, he's like, well, when's a good time to come back? And I told him, well, you come back on this time. And then they did. And I was digging up my backyard. And so then they grabbed a shovel and started digging with me, you know, and then we're talking and shit. And it's like, these kids were like 18, 19. One was Pennsylvania. One was from uh, Colorado. And like, they're trying to tell me this and that. And like, oh, you know, this exists and that exists. And it's like, look, dude, I don't mean to be, you know, crass or, you know, but you haven't even got your dick wet and you're trying to tell me shit about life experience. And I'm like, Fuck. and uh i i don't know where those two kids ended up but they helped me dig my wife's garden so that was cool <laughs> but um that was the thing like they were just happy to be around and help the community so uh you know it made them feel better that's fine but they, they can't like I, I can't be convinced that there's a god when rape and you know, child molestation and that kind of shit exists. Like, how can, how can, if God truly existed, where is the lesson in a child being molested? Like, you cannot spin that positively. People can come back from that and be be positive out of that, but like, there's so many better ways to do something than that kind of shit. 
And so like, why does that stuff exist, right? Why does serial killers exist if there's somebody up there? They actually, I guess if you look at it, like Carlin said, he doesn't give a shit if that's the case, right? I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's kind of like my standpoint on God. He can't exist if you've got, you, you can't, how do you explain some of those real fucking shitty things? So I think there's where my logic stands on that. As far as why, why do I do things as a quote unquote atheist? Well, why wouldn't you want to try and be a good person? Like, I, I don't, I mean, if you're constantly being a shitty person and you're, you're making people feel shitty all around you, like that's, you're just going to feel shitty. I think, I think, if, you know, you're spewing nothing but shit. You're going to be shit. And uh, I, I can't, I'm not going to sit here and say that I haven't done shitty things. Fuck, I've done a lot of shitty things. You know, I've stolen as a child. I've maybe even later in life, whatever, you know, sometimes you just do shit and it, you do it. But I don't know. I don't think there's some fucking supreme thing watching us over. Like nothing stopping me from being a shitty person other than I don't want to be. You know, choices. That's why I don't believe in addiction. You don't get me started on addiction. Fucking addiction to me doesn't exist. It's always a choice. Yeah. That's another story. That's a totally like for me and my logic on that. People always fight me on it, and I says, "Well, one hundred. I won't say one hundred percent of the time because there's two things that guarantee someone, you know, getting over substance abuse." first one is they made the choice and the second one is they fucking didn't and died right <laughs> so the success the success stories on addiction addiction substance abuse they all are they made the choice so i'm kind of like in that that's kind of like my logic flow in, in a lot of things they're all it all comes down to a choice you choose to be a shitty person you'll be a shitty person whether there's a fucking god or not right well, the people that go to church, the shitty, shittiest of shitty people, they go to church and they fucking go to confession and now all of a sudden it's okay. Like, no, they're just a shitty person. But God didn't do anything. You know, God ain't making them a better person. They're just telling somebody, getting it off their chest. And they're like, yeah, well, I fucking, it's off my chest. I did. I don't care now. Fuck it. You know? Yeah, no, that's, that's a phenomena that drives me crazy too. Um, so, yeah. yeah yeah i think definitions are important um because and just like just listening to you talk it's like i agree with the sentiments behind pretty much everything that you're saying i just happen to define these words very differently um you might know a little bit about like a, a study the toltecs but it's also like just more of an indigenous culture thing. Um, there's a book that this guy is British guy named Johan Hari wrote, and he talks about addiction. Um, he kind of agrees with you in the sense that it's not like a biological addiction, um, but it's also not like an individual choice too. He argues that there's something culturally wrong with us and that we're using addiction to bond with substances because we are no longer bonding with each other 
um, like we did in tribes. You know, so it's in our basically it's in our DNA to want to connect with each other. We're not doing that. So we're replacing that connection or those bonds by bonding with alcohol or other substances that fill that need to bond with something. Yeah, I, get, I mean, having experienced some some uh, like I never did any like the, the only drug I've ever done is really MDMA or some derivative of it and um and it was mind opening opening i'll say that but like i didn't i feel like some people they are trying to escape right they're escaping whatever reality that they're living in and for me i mean like not everything's roses but if you put in the work you do you uh I don't know, like this, this shit doesn't just happen overnight for a lot of people. You know, it wasn't 30, I was 36 when I met, you know, my better half and I was in a good place when I met her. Uh, it was the right time at the right place. And uh, was that a, at a fucking rave at 4.30 in the morning? Like, what are the odds, right? <laughs> and she'd been here for one year. She just moved here from Vietnam. And, you know, all her, one of her friends OD'd and they fucking took her out to the hospital and she stayed behind and just saw me dancing with two chicks and came and bumped into me and the rest is history. That fucking, you know, the stereotypical perfect life, if you want to call it, you know, house, two kids, the whole family, like, it's crazy here, but, you know, I like that. Um, having growing up a very relatively small family and then you know seeing both my parents battle substance abuse uh the common denominator to both my parents is that they both came to a point in their lives where they made a decision so like my dad's been clean since 20 since we went to see his back like back home when i found all of his family back east we ended up going back in 2018 he, he quit smoking cold turkey when we flew there to montreal he weaned himself off the methadone program here. Took him about a year. So by 2019, this guy just stopped everything. And I hadn't had a normal conversation with my dad for probably 30 years. You know, and he comes out and fucking trumps the president. He's like, what the fuck's going on? And like, he's just, what, what's going on, right? Because, you know. You're talking about your dad. Your dad got cleaned up. Yeah, so uh... he, he cleaned his act up in 2019 and I, I hadn't had a conversation normal conversation with him for 30 years all my observations in life and my you know thought thoughts and my beliefs are from things that i've witnessed right so when people say oh you know some people can't quit and i said no the that's the wrong word they they, they don't want to quit they won't quit they can quit you can quit like you want to do something you fucking do it that's the bottom line like so can, okay so then but where does willpower come from comes from you wanting to do it really and at the end of the day if you want to do something you'll do it like take take something trivial like uh getting into shape so i did the insanity program in 2013 before i met the wife i didn't you know i was just like fuck i hit 170 pounds i didn't like it you know uh i saw this 
we're going to program. Well, the, the reason I ask is I feel like willpower is one of those things that is connected to the divine or God or whatever word you prefer to use for that. But like music too, like there are some things, willpower and music being two that come to mind that are like proof that we are godly at the very least, you know? And that's why well, I don't believe in the God that you don't believe in. And we kind of agree on that, but I feel like humans are are all gods. Sure. I, I would I would tend to decide for that. We're our, we're our own God. Right. Mm -hmm. There's lots of external forces, but you, you know, everybody's dealing with external forces, right? You know, yeah. that's that's not unique to like, you know the external forces are not unique to each of us like there's uniqueness in those external forces to each of us but it's not unique everybody's got those external forces they're all different but you know if you're living in this world and not in an insane asylum or a fucking hospital or you know one singular location you're gonna have external force that even those places they're external forces but maybe you only have one or two like there's external forces everywhere you go you know uh willpower comes from whether you want to fucking do it if you want it bad enough or not you know what i mean and you know like it's funny uh i don't know how or what like this christmas i kevin samuels popped up on my fucking instagram real and the shit he was saying was like i'm like eh, yeah I, I i get that and then of course then andrew tate shit comes pouring through on my reel and a lot of the shit he's saying i'm like i don't agree with everything he says but i see the truth in a lot that he says and you know it's crazy that you know people get all bent out about him being you know chauvinist chauvinist but it's not untrue you know these guys are basically saying how guys think and um his big thing is his willpower like not willpower but he says like if you want something you fucking work to get it and if you don't want to put in the work then adjust your goals or put in the work like that it's shit just yeah you know people win a lottery right but not you know not everybody's gonna get that easy money. And, you know, you don't need a lot of money to be happy. You need enough to be fed and keep a roof over your head. But like, there's there's value in that existence as well, you know? But I find it's too many people are, uh, too many people are lazy. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. They're gonna sit on the couch and, fucking rip 10 or 12 bong hits and then fucking blow the whole day off and then you know they just just <laughs> hey i like bong hits <laughs> yeah. but but but, but i know you know, you know I, yeah. people i don't think that that's, that's all they fucking do you know like yeah. and then they're shortchanging themselves like well you know life didn't do this for me and I, you know i can't afford that it's like well you you could afford it if you fucking maybe took a few less bong rips or, you know, drank. Or just went and did something after you took the bong rips instead of just sitting on your couch and watching TV after you did it. I guess depending on whatever 
you got in there the bong rip might fucking render you useless for a while i don't know i've never actually smoked weed so i don't know anything about weed i'm back with denny g to wrap up our pod i felt like there was a few loose ends we still had to tie up um i had the free version of zoom i actually bought zoom in the meantime so we have no time limit to worry about here um but really the only two things i had written down um was i wanted to finish up a discussion on free will or like you were talking we were kind of talking about it in relation to addiction but i also like when i listened to the podcast as a whole i kind of figured out like where we where where i found that we were alike and like the, the ways in which i related to you was like it was kind of funny because the same reasons why you don't believe in god they're the same reasons why i feel like there has to be one like free will to me is one of the things like and you you said how could there be evil if there was a god well maybe god gave us free the, the choice to do evil things and that's why evil things exist i'm not saying that's necessarily how exactly how i see it but even though it kind of kind of is but i'm not even going there i'm just saying that we both emphasize the and value the importance of Choice, make, making decisions, the decisions that you make in your everyday life, the choices that you make, that your free will, so to speak, whatever level that might be on, but on a practical level, which is, I think, the more like the level that you're talking about on a day-to-day -day basis, a moment-to-moment -moment basis, the choices that we make are really important. Even the ones that we think are small or we take for granted, those little choices all add up to literally our, you know, they create our life. They create what we make of our life. Um, yeah and that was sure. one aspect that i felt like we really agreed on is, is just one thing i wanted to wrap up there but then at the very end you did say something about cannabis and i'm like well i work at a medical man medical cannabis facility so i probably need to at least kind of defend uh my my love cannabis here well i, I do I, think I anything to... can be overdone i mean people can drown drinking too much water so I yes there is and, uh, I, I sounded harsh on weed I, I... I just don't smoke it. But a lot of people that I know that do smoke it for, you know, relaxation reasons, and then they are always super relaxed. You know what I mean? But yeah, I, I it's like anything. It's it's in moderation. Um, obviously, it's probably the got the. I think weed probably has the like one of the worst. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like. Um, raps like cocaine all that other shit will kill you and weeds really yeah, i mean alcohol alcohol is legal so weed at the end of the day right? so yeah. i think it's just associated with lazy people and like i don't believe i said those things uh and in my experience most people that do smoke weed seem to be lazy and like in my experience but then there could be people smoking weed i don't know right and there's Wiz, Wiz Khalifa made a tweet that's like actually a perfect response to this. He said, weed doesn't make you lazy. You're just lazy and using weed as an excuse. Probably. Yeah, I could, <laughs> I could totally see that. And so I, like uh, when I listened back, I realized uh, that that wasn't like that's not really where my viewpoint is on but weed. no but but what you were saying, even though I disagree with the weed part of it, what you were saying was true in that people are too lazy. Yeah. People are too lazy to take charge of their own life, which is kind of the root of what you were saying. And I do yeah. think a lot of quote unquote potheads <laughs> use that um, as a crutch to not yeah. do better for themselves. So yeah. I'm not saying you're totally out of line there. Actually, I think you had a point. Yeah, I, I 
to blame a substance for someone's yeah. personality is the problem. And uh, I just kind of got off on a tangent there. Like I, I like my weeds. I'm I'm from British Columbia. Like we're raised in British Columbia, so like we're the weed capital of Canada, basically. So it's everywhere. I mean, we've been that's kind of been a free thing here for a, not growing it. That's only been free for like the last four years or so, but or easier to grow and they're just they don't give a shit anymore because like why would you care about growing a plant that's the dumbest thing like you got all this other shit like we got a huge huge fentanyl problem here where people mm -hmm. are dying all the time and i mean that shit happened like i got homeless people outside my door you know what i mean like it's it's right here i'm right in the foothills of it so <clears throat> yeah substance abuse that's what I like to call it. I don't like to call it addiction. It's literally substance abuse. And I, you made some really valid points with, um, as far as like the connection where people are not as connected anymore. And I feel like that's kind of where the social media is such a negative in some ways is because it's, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm it's friends a, it's with a drug people. on its own. Well, yeah, I guess so. If you're, looking to get likes and all that shit sure or like responses um but or not even that people... i mean people that just compulsively scroll for new you know it's their their way to consume news or yeah that's yeah. i guess so like ironically it's i don't have cable tv so it's kind of my source for news in a way like my friends me too i know i'm talking shit. about myself but it, what's what's what i think about is what, there's so many people that are worse than me and I'm and I feel like I need to cut out my usage in my screen time but I like compared to a lot of people I mean I feel like I'm on the on the end of I don't use it nearly as much as most people in my generation and younger anyway yeah I can see that like think about when they're done with Facebook that's not the end they go on to Instagram and when they're done with Instagram that's also not the end then they're on fucking in uh you know snapchat snapchat or, or twitter or twitter, and then uh reddit <laughs> uh, yeah, i TikTok. guess more for the dieharders i guess but like fucking tiktok yeah. right yeah no i've never gotten tiktok i've i've oh, fuck. been like, a, been a stronghold there instagram reels. it's instagram reels that's it yeah yeah only instagram reels and like I, i've mm. been getting caught up on the few of the instagram reels lately but <clears throat> yeah i spend enough time on uh, the socials most of it's just it's kind of like my cloud storage for a lot of the stuff for my kids um like i'll post a bunch of lives when we're skating and stuff so i have something to look back on and i'm not storing the information like i know they're using it it is what it is like <clears throat> but i don't really go on there for i'm not trying to make money on it i'm not trying to like you know show off or like clout this and all that like honestly facebook's my that's the one that i've always kind of been on because you can have it all your stuff organized on it i only actually got into like twitter and instagram for recognize that's it I, even tiktok i think i got two things on there and they're both the dice portraits like i i just put it in that there. was awesome that was awesome by the way that was freaking yeah. what did, did was there like a instruction set that you followed to do that i literally there's a site that you can 
the the way to do it like on the pro pro is if you get adobe you can um like adobe photoshop or whatever you you, you transfer the image into a grayscale and then you can give the grayscale six or eight well in this case because it's a six-sided dice right you give it six side uh, six gradients of color and then it would plot out which gradient and you could then matrix that out into like a you know in my case which is a, a 5500 you know numbers 5500 numbers between one and six and you got to follow that as a pattern to lay out on the board but it gave you the pattern you didn't have to figure the pat you didn't figure the pattern out on your own no no the well basically you could convert the grayscale into numbers and then you'd look like it'd be basically it's basically paint by numbers except got you're it. working with like a regular size dice dice got it so yeah that was um, really awesome. I'll, it, I'll have you send me a picture of that. That way I can do like a picture in picture on this part of the podcast so people know what the hell we're talking about right here. Yeah, yeah. It's I've done a couple, uh, both for rec. Um, uh, it's funny because I told the wife, oh, I'll get around to doing one for us, but it's a fucking big pull. <laughs> it's a pull. The first one I did took me for, I, I did it in four goes, like, I don't have a heated garage and I set this thing up in my garage. I probably had about eight hours into just like the thought, the design behind the board, how I was going to mount my phone. Cause I use my phone as the camera. I'm like, sort of uh, like cheapo that way. I don't want to get a whole, I, I don't know where I'm going to go with it. Um, we'll see, but it's not something that's just like, Oh, here, I'll get this done in a half an hour. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah the first one like, it looks doing, like it took some time yeah the first one took me about 12 hours altogether not including setting up the, the whole thing so i probably the first one i i had a bunch of time into i was waiting i was waiting on rec for a promotional picture i was like dude i want to do the, something cool do you have any new promo shots and he's like oh yeah we got we just did a big big photo shoot i got them got them and then it just he just never got back to me on it and i i knew uh his grandmother's birthday was coming up and i thought oh shit man i got a i had a couple of things in the pipe that i wanted to do and i thought oh you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna do this one and i feel like i can't remember i think she passed away after i no she passed away before i ended up doing it it was after so like she passed away well that's what it was i hadn't actually got like down to which one i was gonna do and then she passed away and i was like oh shit and i he posted the picture of that that one i ended up using he posted that up and i just i just went for it like i bought those dice off alibaba and it was like a thousand bucks for the dice <laughs> and I didn't know how many I was going to need. Like I kind of researched it, but it, people aren't really super like, oh, this is what I did. This is the exact dice I bought. Like you kind of got to figure it out. And when I laid it, like when I laid it out, I thought, holy shit, this is going to be pretty big. And uh, so that's a four by eight board that I'm using. It's just under four by eight because I bordered it. So it's 
but it's damn close. It's just 75 dice across and 75 dice up, basically. I, I, I you can play with the parameters a little bit, but um, yeah, that that was a that was a pull, and it's cold as fuck in my garage. So it was a pull, and it was lower, so I had it on a bit of a tilt, so that they would kind of like stay down. Like I didn't. I ended up, the second one I ended up doing, I elevated it up about a foot and a half, two feet, so I wasn't bent right over doing it. Because man, that, right? I got like the best core work. I was like sore for days after I did the first one. But uh, yeah, like Twitter and Instagram and all that shit. It literally, I, I, I had Twitter years and years and years ago. I don't even know why. I think maybe I went to a, a comedy show and Brian Al, Brian Callen, he's from Mad TV. I went to a show he did out here, and I think he was on Twitter. So. There was something so i just kind of like you know said something to him on twitter and like thanking him for the show and uh, we got pictures and stuff backstage and whatnot it's pretty cool and i think that's the only reason why i had twitter then it went dormant for like nine years and then um, i kind of you know i kind of like twitter a little bit better it's not as they're just now that elon's taking it back over it's a little bit more free free of speech you know like you get banned in facebook which is crazy like i um i but my issue with twitter i i agree i like it i like it too much i'm on it too much um again need to just use my free will to to strengthen my free will to just say look i need need to take a break from this for a minute um you'd you'd laugh you saw my my twitter it's like i follow only a handful of people um maybe some wrecking crew members um even my instagram i i kind of limited i didn't really add a lot of my friends they've slowly added me as they found me but i don't really it's like facebook's where i keep all that whereas like instagram twitter uh that's all just kind of like there for rec uh i i run the uh i help run i do most of the running of it right now of the wrecking crew instagram page so i'm inherently just on instagram a lot because of that like you know any of right. those facebook stories you see on uh, that um it's either me or rec sometimes miss cat will uh i think there might be a few other people but they rarely post i don't think anybody else but the three of us have posted probably in the last year so yeah uh but like with social media like we were talking about the connection you, you don't need it you can check up on your friends and don't even need to talk to them and i I'm pretty guilty of that at a lot of the times, uh, just because, you know, that's kind of time that I would be spending with my kids. And sometimes you don't want to have that like hour long conversation with somebody you're just going to catch up and then you're not going to talk to them for a couple of weeks or maybe months again. And then it's, they always, you just kind of seem to, and I don't know why, but like, they just seem to dread having that super long convo when, um, when you have young kids, you, you just interrupt it all the time. Like, as you see, I, both my kids had come in already and uh, we weren't even 10 minutes in. So <laughs> having a long convo with a friend is is difficult at times unless they come over and bring their kids or whatever and we hang out. And with COVID and all that shit, that, that really threw all that right out the window and people kind of got used to not interacting. I spent more time with my coworkers. Like, we didn't get shut down at all. We were considered essential and I didn't miss a day of work, so... 
Yeah, I just wanted to ask, was there anything that you saw from part one that you wanted to tie, you know, as far as comment on or finish a thought uh, that wasn't totally finished? Um, or anything else, not even in part one, that you just wanted to to discuss before we wrapped it up? Well, uh, it's funny, like where I can see, uh, like what you were saying in the beginning, where the things that I why why I don't believe in it is why you think it why you think it he has to be and uh, well, I, I not necessarily that. he. See, that's well, where the whatever. definitions become a th thing. It's because like we are all God. As far the way I see it is that yeah all living things have God in them sort of it, it's really hard to put into words because words themselves come from that divine essence or whatever word you choose to call it but the fact that that's the free will thing right it's your choice that's the choice that makes it divine is like you you can even choose what to call it you know what I mean like yeah. and then and then your agreement is that divine power that allows you to create your own story kind of gives you it kind of models free will for us if that makes sense it gives us a, a conception of free will um anyways i'm kind of rambling a little bit but yeah that's well, the I idea like maybe free will is is in the eye of the holder right think about it like i don't want to be working nine to five from the day i'm like 20 until i'm 65 you know what I mean? So right. free will, what is free will, right? Free will, oh, I can quit and get another job or I can, you know, like what, what, so. No, that's surreal. Yeah, right? one, one thing that I always think about is, um, you know, a quote I heard is, even if it's all cause and effect and that you have, you know, it's all written, it's all scripted, you still have the choice to enjoy the ride or to resist the ride and that's beautiful to me because even if it's all fixed okay well there's still a choice in there there's still a choice you can enjoy it or you can resist it can you imagine if this was one big simulation <laughs> elon musk said something that was really interesting right about someone asked him like the chances of this being a, a simulation i think was what the question was and he said it like billion billions like the odds are billions to whatever but he's like it's still billions like there's it could be <laughs> you know kind of weird like you know how think about how far along technology's come and ai and all that stuff and you know uh, there's a lot of like interesting thoughts out there even like joe rogan was talking about prior civilizations that had technology that you know, like the world is however many billions of years old, but civilization is less than, you know, 10,000. Mm -hmm. like, what if this has all been done before and those civilizations collapsed and they erased it and whatever they did erased everything? You know what I mean? Uh, that's, and the, the Toltecs it. actually believe that. The Toltecs believe that Atlantis did exist uh, and that there was a basically a nuclear war and that Atlantis was bombed out of existence, but it also basically created the Atlantic ocean. Um, and, you know, the remnants of that civilization are what began the Egyptian colony and the pyramids and some of the things that are quote unquote unexplained or leftover 
sacred knowledge from that yeah. Atlantis colony. They're probably unexplained because we think that we're the fucking smartest civilization. That's right, in, right, in right. World, yeah, right. Unexplained <laughs> to us. Unexplained to our like. It's science. it's uh, it's interesting because it gives some more depth to maybe they weren't as archaic as we think they were. You know, right. I a hundred percent believe that there were. Um, civilizations if that's the best word there were uh there were there were humans that were more advanced and more evolved than even where we are now in the in the distant past and then again that that starts to get into the whole like what is time question too because if it's a spiral then maybe we're just kind of coming back around to that <laughs> well i mean <laughs> It's it wouldn't be that it wouldn't be the craziest thing to happen, right? It wouldn't be the craziest revelation. Nothing, nothing surprises me anymore, man. I mean, it's, since since Donald Trump was elected president, shit has been weird. <laughs> shit has been How real about, weird. I, I've had because I have uh, quite a few um, friends even before that, but that definitely amplified it. I've got quite a few friends south of the border that just threw my car like the Datsuns and stuff, like we get, we'd go down to Oregon, we'd go down to California and, you know, go to these big car shows and, and Oregon is specifically, we would tent at the fairgrounds in Canby and it would be like a two day show and you'd be, we'd just be hanging out, just having fun, trading more stories, race stories, whatever. And most of those people were for Trump, not against, and they didn't like Obama and they for sure didn't want Hillary in. And I always just like, to me, politicians are the scourge of the earth as far yeah. as like the system is rigged. They're all on the take. You know, some people probably get into it with good intentions, but then probably quickly realize they, they're just a cog in a wheel and they'll get spit out if they don't just stay in line. Like, who knows? I don't know. I'm not into it, but. Yeah, when, politics when there's, money, is... when there's big money in something, you know it's, you know it's fucked. So, yeah. As far as like, you know, some interesting things developing over the the last twenty years. Like twenty years ago, you, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Uh, one, because there was no Zoom, but Zoom, right? But you know thinking that another civilization had technology like we've got now probably wasn't on the radar 20 years ago for most yeah people. it was very it was a very new idea i mean graham hancock had written fingerprints of the gods but he still i mean he wrote that in like 95 98 somewhere in that range so it was still just really just new. As the technology boom right just as right. millennium was supposed to crush everything and it didn't seem like a blip <laughs> it's like nothing yeah Yep. So, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I, I like your perspective on why you think God exists and, and, and uh, it's kind of like the yin to my yang where I, well, I think God doesn't exist. <laughs> and it's the same reason, right? It's funny. Yeah, yeah, free will. I mean, a free will is just, I like those decisions to be a good person or a bad person, I think 
kind of sometimes if you know where we talking about if uh like rape and all that shit didn't exist but i mean without dark without light there's no dark and without darkness there's no light so you know if everything's have you ever watched the movie serenity Mm-mm. no so do you know the tv series called firefly i've heard Nathan. of that okay so uh, they're terif- they terraforming worlds it's their their technology or whatever it's like a space western you should, you'd probably love it it's a fucking great show it went one season and then they actually cult following got a movie out of it but what they said was is they terraformed a planet and they gave them this they they pumped into the atmosphere something that uh like nullified aggression and at some point in that civilization they just stopped doing anything because they just didn't have like they're just it was a it's an interesting perspective uh, you know thinking about it whereas there was no aggression so there was no emotion like it was like there was no value in what they were doing and so they just laid down and stopped they just literally in there where they were so like they would go into this um hmm. like That's city or school and these people are like even a uh, lab and these people that look like they just laid down and just stopped doing anything and just laid down and then eventually died <laughs> it was crazy and then the spin to that was the people that didn't turned fucking absolutely bonkers and were like tearing people's skin off while they're alive and raping and killing them and they were called mm-hmm. the, Re- the reavers the reavers yeah and they would fly around the universe just wreaking havoc and that, that apparently like it stemmed from that world and it's kind of interesting where because of the imbalance because of the imbalance so like if you don't if, if everything's super easy then what's like i can see that right like if it's the same thing if you win the lottery and you get like 20 million dollars most people that win 20 million dollars are broke in a couple of years or less right like they're just they just blow it because they didn't earn it like it wasn't hard they just fucking won the lotto and then boom i got all this money and then they just they don't give any heed to anything they just blow it and of course parasites and shit come and leech off of you but it's the same when you you don't really see like when you get large amounts of money they just disappears you're not really noticing it until you don't have it <laughs> it's like oh shit where did that go it's gone Whereas if you worked your ass off and earned that money, right, you you part with it a lot. That you think about it a bit more, right? And so, if something was super easy, then what's the value in doing it? I, I guess for me, so like free free will or your choice, like or cho- choosing to be, you know, to love will power maybe even more yeah, accurate, right? Yeah, willpower. Um, willpower is where I'm going with that. Um, but you know, those types of things I think uh, start early. And how early I don't know. Like my earliest memories, but shit, I don't think willpower had anything to do with it. You know, you don't really understand those things until you get older and you realize the world's not, you know, one big you know playground i guess <laughs> i'm not sure when that happens you know maybe in 
you get closer to your teenage years, you start realizing like kind of world we're living in, but, uh, or the, maybe, you know, having to work, <laughs> all those types of things, but, you know, going up through that, like your experiences, like, you, you know, like we've been talking about experiences are going to shape your viewpoints. You know, we could have two completely different viewpoints and we'd be both right in our minds, you know, on the same thing. And yeah, one thing I do my best to do is to not be too stubborn about being right. Like, that's why I like having these conversations is I, first of all, I don't think it's possible for anybody to have it all figured out. And the only way you can learn more is to gain perspective from other people and ask, like, how do you see this? You know, and then you can kind of discern and sharpen your own views on things by asking other people what they think about things. He's like, oh, I never saw it that way. And then you you're able to kind of prune the things that you, at least for me like I, i'm able to take the things i already believe and sharpen them based on what the way that other people see things yeah for sure yeah i totally agree with that um should have had a thought and then it, it, it was fleeting i can't remember what i was gonna go with but yeah shit well i mean maybe this had something to do with your thought because i've noticed you know, I kept saying free will, but the things that you were kind of emphasizing had more to do with, like I was saying, willpower. But I think the, the kind of nuance, nuanced difference between those two is free will is more about the choices that you make versus willpower is the strength that you have to follow through with those choices. Yeah. I, like you say, that they're, they're real close to like willpower and free will. I mean, if you got a lot of willpower, then you probably got a lot of free will. Right. They're definitely right? hand in hand. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the thought I had was a good one. Oh, yeah. What, back to like nobody's figured it all out, right? I think that's not true. I think everybody figures it out right before they die. That's That's what I've always said. I'm like, I tell my kids, nobody's got this thing figured out. And the only time you have it figured out is when you take your last breath. Yeah. Right. I mean, that there, there might be something very true to that. I mean, from what I understand, you get a, a DMT release in your brain when you die. So that's, and if you've, I don't think you've ever used DMT, but that's quite an experience as far as drugs are concerned. That's a uh, other dimensional. It's, hard to put into words but if that's what's happening when people die then i could totally believe that people when they die or at that moment are the only people that have it all figured out because that's a lot of i heard uh, rogan talk about dmt yeah. uh, I, i'm curious because like i went 36 years before doing any illicit drug and it was mdma uh, i've never smoked weed i don't smoke cigarettes i drink a beer here and there. I don't really love drinking beer. It's not my favorite. DMT thing. is 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 different than any of them. It's super interesting. Rogan always jokes that you know we're all we we're all criminals because we're all carrying. You know, like our brains are <laughs> producing DMT all the time anyway. So yeah. um, it's but it's I'm... super interesting. That's a, it's one thing I'll say about it is uh, it's beyond it's beyond words. It's inexplicable. It's inexplicable. And the fact that I even use those words to try to explain it is 
that's the experience right there. It's just beyond the, the irony. The irony, the irony for me, coming from me, is like my both my parents were heavily into substance abuse for years and years and years. Like my dad more so into the heavy drugs, and my mom more so into the alcohol, and so that basically made me not want to do either. And then at 36, I just like I had a big, a, not epiphany, but I had a bad breakup with a girl that just kind of destroyed me, like broke me right down. And then I had to build myself back up. And just eventually I just started like saying yes to certain experiences. And that was one of them. A bunch, a couple of my friends wanted to go to CZ and we saw him at a local uh, bar before he blew up and it was four of us and I, I'm not a drinker, but I brought Crown and Coke. I was like, fuck it, let's, 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 let's get, let's get, uh, let's have this good night. Right. And they, they had a pill on, I was like, what the fuck is that? And to say that those two of them knew me for a long, long time, one of them was just some random girl. The two of them knew me and they're like, oh, it's, it's MDMA. You're not going to want it. I was like, well, you got another one. And, and the look on their fucking faces was just like, the jaw dropped and they couldn't believe it. And I was like, well, I'm 36. <laughs> like, I haven't touched anything. I, I know I don't have what they call, you know, like, I'm not, I hate using the word addiction, but I don't have that kind of You're personality. not a drug seeking personality. I wouldn't say that. I think we all are in a way a drug seeking, have drug seeking personalities really because everything's a drug, right? Love, becomes a drug everything kind of is a drug in That's a way <clears throat> but coming from that i stayed away from it and this is kind of where i'm at with my nephews they i know they're going to be i don't i don't bullshit around drugs i'm like dude they're fun but what you lack in your youth is the ability to like control yourself and that's where you're going to get into trouble with 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 drugs is that until you know you can handle you know the euphoria that comes with it and realize that you're never going to get that again it's usually a one-time thing you'll get you'll get close but if you're chasing it you're going to fuck yourself and i think as a, the younger you are when you start that the harder it is to like break from it and I, that's kind of where i'm at like at at no point in my life, even in my younger years, just my mindset would never have allowed me to, uh, like, super like rely on anything like that. Like coffee, I don't drink coffee, tea. Like I drank a lot of soda back when I was younger, but it was usually like seven up, so it wasn't even like caffeine, and it was just mostly sugar. But then, you know, all that shit was different for me growing up. I'm 46, so like we didn't have high fructose glucose. Right. You know, corn syrup, sweetening all right. our shit. We have actual fucking sugar. So it's a little bit different, I feel. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Uh, who knows? No, nah, that's no, nah, there's something to that. So for me, like, I was always just non substance in a way. And then, uh, not to say that I'm out there, like, but my curiosity is like, I, I said to my dad one time, I'm like, you know, I'd like to try cocaine once. I'd like to try a few things. I'm not going to sit there and try and uh, like, I'm not going to do intravenous. That's not something that interests me. Um, I probably only ever smoke weed with one person and that would be Rec. And I I think I've said that a few times. I'm like, I, I, I would smoke weed with Rec. And that would probably be the one and only time I would do it. Um, 
so that's something that may or may never happen but like yeah i hear people like i ask i'm curious like you know dmt sounds like something that would be kind of cool i like mdma just because you know it's like a happy drug and uh yeah dmt is not addictive if that's what you're worried about it's like anti-addictive i'm not worried about i think but uh yeah this that's a that's a that's other it's just it's different than all the other drugs it's just it's own category the fact that you can't uh describe it or explain it makes it interesting you know it is interesting that's the one word i could put on it because 36 years you know i i experienced a lot and i feel like doing that mdma was in a way life-changing it 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 kind of opened pandora's box as far as like not to do more but just okay yeah that was really cool and you know, obviously Zed, he's got an insane light show. So in a smaller venue, it was just out of this world. It was just like one of those things I'll never forget. And it spurned, it spurned a decision to go to a, uh, like a Halloween rave party, which then ended up, you know, having me meet, you know, the, the greatest woman I ever met. So I got no qualms with, with drugs. I just, uh, it's just funny to hear that from somebody that's seen so much with it, you know? Um, but that's kind of where I think I, I feel like I'm different than, than most people in my scenario or situation where, you know, they might follow the same path. And I'm just like, I would try it out of curiosity now that I'm older, but then I'm also hesitant because of sometimes the fentanyl, you kind of got to, mm-hmm. You got to be sure that you're getting the good, like clean stuff. Um, and these are things is probably reasons why I haven't, um, you know, tried that stuff. Um, I have a couple of friends that dabble in it every once in a while. I know I could probably find a safe source, but eh, I don't know. And now I'm 46. It's kind of, it's like, I'm curious, but less inclined to do it. <laughs> right. I'm more inclined to like bungee jump and you get a nice rush out or of skydive, right? I skydive. I've thought about skydive. Oh, okay, cool. I've yeah, been thinking I've about been, doing that. that. I did that and I it's a process, especially if you're if you're going solo, it's a huge process. It's like a day course and I would never recommend doing that solo as your first jump because there's just so many things that can go wrong no matter how much training you got it's like i went tandem we drove we jumped from 12 5 and uh, we couldn't do flips because they had a tether drone so like they pump out a tiny little chute that kept kept the the bag and everything taut and we could just spin and that was like spin and that was it just tandem you're not gonna be flipping and flopping i guess uh when you got a guy on your back right but we just do spins and stuff and uh fuck i had I, they could have trained me i i had no idea where we were trying to land he's like oh you see that over there i was like i see i see fucking was it a nothing. rush though yeah yeah it was a rush yeah I bet. like i was the last one out of the plane it was a 15 passenger cessna with a like a, a plastic roll up fucking door and i was the first one in the plane so i'm watching the pilot take off check watching all the instruments i could see out his window like i'm right there i could i could literally like grab the controls i'm so close right 
and uh, we get up to like 12,500 feet. So it took about uh, 20 minutes or so to get up to where they wanted to jump us. And then you're jumping out of a plane and it's, it's a, it's such a weird thing to explain. Um, you jump out and you feel the wind resistance right away. And it's, it's a, you just, I don't know, for me, bungee jumping was freakier. When I jumped off that bridge, I felt like, oh shit, I made a mistake. Like I'm about to fucking die. Like that's what I felt like when I jumped out of the plane, the wind hitting you, cause you're doing about 150 miles an hour and you hit the wind and then the wind's like just blowing at you and you're, you're, you're already going fast. You're already falling out of the sky fast. You don't really, I didn't really feel the acceleration of falling like you do when you bungee jump because when you bungee jump you jump off and it feels like there's nothing attached to you and that you've just jumped to your fucking death <laughs> and then you free fall with this bungee cord on you and it does nothing until it starts to stretch right and then it's like one of the softest like i hear a lot of people talk about oh it's it looks like it snaps you back and i'm like if you if you go with things strapped around your ankles i could see maybe um it's the one that we yeah. have here and yeah like the a torso have, harness yeah in whistler they do a torso harness they don't go by the feet anymore because you're hanging upside down for five minutes before they can pull you up generally like they gotta wait till you stop bobbing takes about three to five minutes depending on your weight i guess and uh i've jumped i've bungee jumped twice i, I skydived once that was enough it was expensive we got the video and the pictures and mm -hmm. i was gonna ask if you got the video yeah, I got the video and uh, the guy that did the video, he comes up to you and I was just like, right anyway, like I wasn't scared at all. Like when, so being the last one out of the plane, I see everybody jump, jump, jump. And then the opening's like just wider than my shoulders. And so we're waiting for the person to clear, right? And the, the person before me to, to clear whatever it is that we got to clear, I guess, obviously, they time it out, space it out so we don't collide with each other if there's a shoot problem, whatever, right? So I'm sit sitting there and I grab the fucking side of the plane and I pull myself out because I want to see. And the guy grabs my arms right away and pulls them in. And everybody else got a count. But literally, when he pulled my arms in like that, I guess I don't know what he was thinking, but I was trying to pull out to see. And he grabbed my arms and just fucking jumped. So there's no, there's no countdown straight out the plane, right? And uh, it, it was a pretty cool experience, but by the, like, he's like, oh, you know, I controlled the, the parachute. We're free falling for, I think, about a minute before the chute opened. I just remember my legs coming right up over my head. And I was like, holy shit. Like, the, when the chute opens, it, it's a slam. It jerks, yeah. Yeah. So, like, it's 10 times worse than bungee. And I, I forgot about that part. Like, my friggin', <laughs> it's like your legs just go whoop, whoop, like, right up over your head. You gain some flexibility for sure. And uh and then you're free fall, like you're you're only free falling for about a well for a minute in my case, which felt like eternity. But then like the glide down takes like 10 minutes almost. So like your arms are up there and he's telling me to steer. So we're doing hard banks and turns and shit, spinning around, and then he's like, When we when we start to land, you gotta pull those ropes down and hold them down until we stop. Well, he said that early in the friggin' gliding, right? So we we round a corner and he's controlling it, and then and uh, he lines us up for where we're supposed to land. 
and we land perfectly. Everything's good. I pull the, the ropes down, but I'm so spent at this point. I let go of the ropes. And of course, what happens is the chute closes and all that wind just blows us back. And he's like scolding me and shit. I was like, I'm sorry. I totally forgot. <laughs> Whereas bungee jumping, man, like that was a four hour day to skydive. It was like, you know, I, I the bungee jump doesn't last that long. It's like 10 minutes tops start to finish when they like brief you hook you up make sure everything's good you jump and then they wait till you stop oscillating and then they they send down a winch with a big carabiner and you, you hook it up and then they just pull you up and that's it so as far as like i'm a bit of a i guess that was the thing i never did drugs but i was always on the adrenaline right right <laughs> fucking ro roller coasters driving fast and jumping out of planes and off bridges yeah those are my things so yeah if, if if i was if you were gonna look between the two to do i feel like bungee jumping is actually a really good test as to whether you'd want to skydive there's no that's more, good that's good that's good advice risks, way more right. risks in skydiving because two weeks after i went some guy went solo to like I think uh celebrate the birth of his child and he fucking misjudged the turn and slammed in the ground and died. It's like that was their one of that was their first fatality in that company. And it was his fault. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm not about dying and in, in in you know for skydiving. And that sucked for him, obviously. Like, can you imagine? Fuck. Yeah, this is great. Oh shit! You know what? Maybe you didn't even notice because you just turn a corner. You don't think you're gonna die, and then it's done. So I guess maybe that was a good way to go. It's not like he was free falling, knew he was gonna die. He just turned, and then whoops, you land the right way. For me, the the bungee jumping, uh, my my logic flawed as it is, I bet uh, we're jumping over off a bridge over one of the like a river. So I'm like, oh, I'd fucking land in the water, could swim it out. But we're not that close to the water when that bungee, like you feel like you're going to be close to that water when the bungee stretches to its full stretch, but probably not. You probably just get, just head her into the rocks. But like if the water's deep enough, I'm like, nah, that's cool. You can make it. But you fall out of a plane, the fucking parachute doesn't work. You're probably not making it. So for me, I like my odds better with the bungee. <laughs> yeah, but, no, those are all good points. Those are yeah. all good points. I jumped forwards the first the first time and I jumped backwards the second time. And they felt exactly the same. They were about I want to say two years apart. And I remember my friend saying, Oh, you're going backwards. That's it's not as that's nothing like you, you can't see it you can't see what's happening it's way scary to go forwards because he was chicken shit i took my friend and he he didn't jump off the platform he like rolled off the platform reluctantly after like a minute of being coaxed because they can't push you off in canada or at least that one they won't and so like he was up there for a minute before he finally like rolled off <laughs> it's like like rolling a sack of potatoes off of a fucking table you know it's just like oh, okay one goes and the other goes and um yeah, I I thought okay, sure. And then the second time I went, I jumped forward. I could see where I was going. I'm like uh, I don't I don't think there's a difference between going forward or backward. 
you jump off of it backwards, you're looking at what you jumped off of, getting further away. Not seeing where you're going doesn't really make a difference. Jumping forwards, you know, not seeing what I jumped off of, but looking at what I'm going towards, exact same feeling. <laughs> it was just cheaper the second time. That's it. But yeah, I mean, those are, uh, I, I, I just, we did, we have a zip line up in Whistler too. We, we got some pretty nasty zip lines, long ass ones that go right over. I did those too. Like I've done a lot of that thrill seeking shit. I probably wouldn't hang glide. I don't know. That's kind of maybe pushing it. Yeah, that one but, seems advanced. Yeah, I think, you know, I, like, I don't got the time to dedicate to that. I got my, I got my hockey. It's like I went snowboarding once because my friend's like, oh, you, you, you got to go snowboarding. You got to go snowboarding. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And I bought some gear and we went and I fucked my ankle up. Couldn't play hockey for 10 weeks. And I was like, well, that's it. And I sold everything. I'm like, I'm going to go snowboarding maybe like a handful of times a year, if that. I play like 40 or anywhere from 40 to 70 hockey games a year. So forget it. Just scrap that. That was the last, first and last. That was it. So. Anyway, that's off topic, but that's no, it's kinda... all good, man. I covered it. We've covered everything I wanted to cover between the two conversations at this point. So yeah. unless there's anything else that you want to get out, I'm good. Oh, uh, no, man. Uh, I think I think I've talked enough. I, I probably talked too much, really. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm, I actually but, appreciate that a lot because sometimes I get guests on here and even though they're like talkative in real life, they'll like be shy as soon as we start recording. Yeah. So yeah, it I mean, is what it is. I, I'd say, uh, I know, I think you were in on the, what's that book? I don't read a lot, but I, the, the, the four agreements or what is it? The Oh yeah. Yeah. I love that book. Yeah, I think a couple of people have been talking about that that book, and I'm, it's interesting. I might might pick that book up, start reading something. That, the last book I read was Stephen King's The Dark Half. Not so long time ago. <laughs> I normally don't. It's a really short book, man. Super oh, easy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Big 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 words. <laughs> Only like a hundred pages and big words. Actually, I did read a book. Um, the art of racing in the rain that was the last book i actually read and then i i, I wrote i started i, I got a a kobo or e-reader and uh so I, I read a few books i read another book about some tiger in uh in the china russia or whatever some rogue tiger and i got about halfway through it and my e-reader broken and that was it i never read a book again. hey one book that both me and Rec actually both love. He mentioned he wrote uh, children's games from uh, a soiree for skeptics based on, you know, after reading this book called Ishmael by a, a Canadian guy named Daniel Quinn. Mm. Really okay. awesome book. It's actually, it's actually a trilogy. I, don't, I think Rec has only read the, the Ishmael, the main, the main book of the three. Um, yeah. But those that's, the Four Agreements is like my favorite book in the sense of just any book, but my favorite story, like novel, like an entertaining read, not like a super deep one, even though it is deep, but it's also entertaining and it's also a, like a cool story uh, is Ishmael for sure. Send me, the, send me that and I'll, I'll, I'll take a look. For sure, man, like, for uh, sure. Feel like getting well, thanks for coming on. This yeah. is awesome. And 
where I'm going to get you back on maybe like a year from now. Um, try to try to space it out because you know we're all growing up and a lot of things will happen over the next year and then we'll have yeah, a lot of cool stuff to talk about that happened between now and then yeah i i, I hope so i think we'll, there's some pretty cool wrecking crew meetups there in the works um something in november for the 10th anniversary of something in miami i think so yeah so yeah, if it's on the east coast i might be able to swing it yeah you're not too as much into the the crew discord right now but there's some stuff that floats around on the friday night lives too um that's funny i just because uh, we're starting up the podcast is coming back on tuesday for yeah for this podcast actually the, get the fuck out of here podcast. and so it's coming back tuesday so i uh I've been, I've lost, I fucking, so I've had a couple of technological, technological, like fucking mishaps. I have my phone with all my data on it, fucked off, bricked. And I lost like some, uh, shit, uh, shit that I was gonna like say or whatever in the, in a line. And, and then I lost all the fucking first season stats. And luckily I would email wreck all those stats. So I had to go back through my email and I found them all. One episode I didn't find was the season one finale, which is where he went on a fuck tirade because he was not quite at 5,000. And I kind of tipped him off. I was like, you know, you're pretty close to 5,000. Yeah, yeah, the fuck, fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck episode. Yeah, just kill him. How many times am I going to have to say fuck, fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck to get to 5,000? So, so <laughs> I remember that episode. <laughs> we hit 322 or, or five fucks a minute. He, 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 he went over and beyond by like i think he needed 200 and he went 322 like he overed it and i lost the stats for that particular Counting episode i could not fucking find that episode <laughs> stats in my emails that i'd sent to him you had to so listen like, to it again fuck recount Dude, I had to listen to that that, <laughs> that one like five times. Like, oh shit! Because you can on Spotify, you can half speed it or you can double speed it. So a lot of times I'll double speed it, but I couldn't do a double speed on that one. I was counting because like it was just too many. I had to actually half speed it to count. Fuck. So in the end, I'd probably look through my emails. Like I just keyword search emails, like recognizer, uh, Billy Baggins, I think, and. Mm -hmm. I couldn't find episode 39. I couldn't fucking find it. And I was like, or it might have been 38, 38, sorry, episode 38. Couldn't fucking find it. I was like, oh. I was like, Rick, can you send me this shit? And he's been busy. He, he, he actually, up until this point, hadn't. And yesterday, I just decided one last time I fucking searched, but this time I just wrote season, right? Season, that's it. And boom, I fucking found it. And I was like, oh my God, I don't have to find it. I just tallied. He's going to do away with the seasons. This is going to be a running running episode list now, yeah. Yeah. but I tallied up the running time of the podcast. He's got eighty hours of podcast fuckery. Eighty hours that doesn't even count like the behind the scenes of like prepping for the thing, you know, and then all the ad libs and all the like graphics that he would run on the twitch channel all that shit like for this last for the latest season that's on video and so i always laugh he's like oh you know 
I'm slacking or, you know, because some guys give them a hard time for missing some deadlines on freestyles and shit. And it's like, dude, I don't want to hear you fucking say that you slack <laughs> ever again. Like 80 fucking hours. <laughs> Think about it too. That was during the pandemic no. when like, dude's got, he's, he's like the hardest working artist on. No. Released uh, like, the... like, released Sunny yeah. Winter three, released fucking Minute to Midnight, Pressure Point. The Wrecking Crew. Yeah, he EP. puts out a lot of music, man. You know, yeah, all the a lot of good music. That's the thing. It's not just like a lot of junk either. Yeah, it's it's like cool. it's all no, fucking it's fire. Cool. It's all thoughtful, like uh, and then the Murs in Miami EP, like for fucks. Mm-hmm. And he produced that. He made all beats, mm-hmm. produced that. Like, yeah. So I told him, I'm like, two things. One, I don't want to ever hear you say you slack because it's just fuck 80 hours in this fucking podcast it's just one thing and two you can't say you don't give a fuck anymore because you've given five like nine thousand fucks over those 80 hours so that's it like <laughs> almost ten thousand fucks just like you can you, you give a fuck every 30 seconds so you can't say you don't give a fuck no more <laughs> oh but yeah that's my, thank you that's recognize for bringing it for bringing us together and uh yeah. Like I said, man, give it a year and I'm sure we'll have a, a bunch of new stuff to discuss and some other stories that we'll want to get off. Sounds good. So, yeah, that's that's about that's enough. Um, uh, I'm talking way, way over for you, but uh, yeah. All good. Anyway. I'm gonna, I'll cut some of it, but this was awesome, man. I appreciate you. Much love. All right. Take it easy. Yeah, you too, bro. I'll send you the pick. I'll send you the pick of a nice portion, oh. too. Do you want both or just one? Both. Yeah. Okay, I'll send you both. All right, man. Sure. Take it easy. Good luck at your hockey. You got a hockey game coming up, and you got to leave in like 20 minutes, right? Yeah, it's 10 o'clock game, so I leave here at about 9. I got you. Yeah, should be fun. (laughs) Good luck, man. Yeah, thanks. I see the signs and I'm moving Hey. Used to wake up at dawn, check my Nikes for roaches, wipe the coat up out my eye, light up tree to fight the notion I was far from getting on. Now it's looking like I'm chosen, huh? Running so hard, you think I'm trying, bust a Trojan, but I know, yeah, I know it's approaching like I copied and pasted from prophets and sages. How to penetrate hearts so what I jot on a page. I might reposition stars and the thoughts in the space. You get conviction mixed with art when I hop on the stage and believe we need healing, planting beasts. Need killing so my pen bleeds feeling It's deeper than ain't spilling, yeah Every time I speak, reveal it, I think brilliant And I'ma reach a million of souls with these lines So precisely designed that it might seem divine On the road to perdition, the blind lead the blindness On the screen and in the sky, everywhere I see the sun Let go. I see the signs and I'm moving I see the signs and I'm moving I see the signs and I'm moving about as quickly as I can now. I-